and trip I've ever had, and it's been fun. And yeah, Corey and I had fun in, in seminary, but that's stories for a later time. Today I'm going to be talking about belief, and I'm going to challenge you about belief. We're going to talk about how God challenges to believe Him and how important belief is. Now, before I start, I'd like to ask you a question, and if you raise your hand, how many of you believe in UFOs? Okay, we've got, we got a couple people. Well, here's the thing. I just read, you can put your hand down. Again, both of you. Uh, there's not that many, but here's the funny thing. Accordingly, there are 192 UFO sightings average a day. 192 sightings a day. That means that you may not, but there's a lot of people that not only believe in UFOs, they see them. How many of you believe that Elvis is alive? Well, there's even fewer than that. Well, there's a couple. Because there's, there's sightings of Elvis every day as well. Not only so, but there's some people saying that he's in a nursing home. He's like 77 now, so he's getting older, I'm assuming. And there's sightings of all different types of things, and people are quick to believe it. Why? Because... It's just one of those things that people just like to believe in something. I grew up in Portugal, and we have, I bet, the best belief system. We believe that one day, King Sebastian is going to come back in the morning, in a very, very foggy morning, and going to take our country back to where it should be. And we're still waiting for him. Unfortunately, King Sebastian was 13 years old the last time he was seen. And this 13-year-old boy, he decided that he would go and fight for the country he believed in. So he went down to Morocco and started fighting. A 13-year-old didn't do very well versus the other very well-seasoned fighters. And, well, the word is that he died. And then he didn't come back. Well, he didn't come back. He didn't have any children. And then there was an historical issue, and eventually, because there was no one to, to pretty much take the throne, they got the Spanish king, King Philip II, uh, which became King Philip of Portugal. And during six, I'm sorry, 80 years, they had a king of Spain ruling over Portugal. And eventually, we had another fight, and we got our country back. But even today, people believe he's going to come back in a horse, in the morning, foggy morning, and he's going to take the country back. I would like that. You know, seeing a 13-year-old boy coming in a, in, a, in a horse and saying he's going to come. But people believe in a lot of things. And we as Christians, well, we tend to believe that well, Jesus is God, or that Jesus was born of a manger, even though a lot of people still don't believe that he was born out of a virgin. But yet... Our belief system is all based on the fact that we were taught to believe. And the question today is, do you believe because you were taught, or do you believe because you have made your own conclusions on what you believe? And many times, we make conclusions very quickly because we have seen other people believing in something else. And if you, if you would open your Bibles, if you have Bibles with you, in Matthew 9, we're going to go over a story about belief, and, a, and an interesting story with Jesus, and how he handled a couple of blind men. 
And if you'd stand with me as we read the word of the Lord. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 9 and verses 27 to 29. Matthew 9, 27 to 29. Thus said the word of the Lord. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind man came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, it will be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we are thankful for your word. Speak to us. Write into our hearts what you have in store for us. And may we learn from you who and what you are leading us to follow. Allow us to believe in you and in everything you stand for. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we see this story of belief. Two blind men go to Jesus. And they pretty much just come, Hey, Jesus. Jesus. Have mercy on us. You know, have pity. You know, we're blind. We can't see. Would you do something about it? They needed something, but they also wanted something. It wasn't just the fact of wanting to be healed. They wanted Jesus to heal them of their blindness. Now, what's interesting is that Jesus, throughout that passage, and, and, and verse 9, and, and throughout that day, all he had done is healing. And every time someone would come, he would touch them and they would be healed. And he healed them over all the things that was ailing them. But these two men followed him. Now, how can a bl- two blind men follow someone? That for me is pretty funny. You know, how do they do it? One just had a cane in one side and the other the other side and they try to follow him. And how do they know where he was going? But yet they found Jesus and Jesus could just pretty much say, Oh, poor guys, you, you're blind. Well, let me cure you. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. But he didn't have pity on them. He didn't have mercy on them. He just had a quick question. What do you believe? Do you believe that I can do this? Now, what they started by doing was asking. And when we struggle with our belief on what we believe, we start by asking, what do I believe? Do I believe that Jesus is real? That God is real? What do I believe? Because sometimes we just need to know. And this is why they went. Because they needed to see. They needed to know that Jesus could heal. And many times we find ourselves in our lives that we just need to see. Either see on what we believe, either see a resolution for our problem, either see a direction where we're going, or we see where God wants us to be. But wherever we ask, He always answers. And asking because we need, and even times we can ask before or because we want. So how do we ask? By prayer. Now, many times we pray as, Lord, I would like to see this. I would like to believe in this. What if, your, what if the answer of your prayer depended on how you pray? My dad is, is, is struggling right now with cancer. We don't know how long he's going to 
it's going to be. But I do know that one thing that I keep reminding is, what if his healing depends on my prayer? Will I change the way I pray about him? And what if everything in our lives depends on prayer? Will we change our prayer? So when we ask, we are to ask. It reminds me, when a teacher asked a Sunday school child, and the children in the Sunday school, okay, let's talk about heaven. What do you need to do to go to heaven? And all the children were quiet, trying to figure out what is the biblical answer. One of the boys said, uh, you need to die first. You know, many times, our belief needs to be well established so we know what we believe and why we believe it. Because God asks for accountability. On verses 28, He says, let me find myself. There we go. Do you believe that I am, that I, do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that I can heal you? This is one of the most powerful statements that Jesus has ever made. Do you believe that I can heal you? Because if they say, well, no, but you've healed everyone else, why wouldn't you believe me? Or they might say, no, because I'm not worthy. Or no, I don't believe that you can heal because I have doubts about your, about, about your relationship with God. Are you God? Are you man? What are you? Do you believe? And God asks us for accountability. It's not about our actions. It's not about our words. It's about what we believe. If we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and we believe we have a relationship with Him, are we living in accordance to this? Or are we living in accordance with what we believe? So it's easy to believe in nothing, because then we have to do nothing. You know, the greatest religion is atheism. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to do anything. And you do nothing. But then when things go tough, you have nothing to do. You have nothing, nowhere to go. So it is important for us to look how God asks us for accountability. He's not asking us to change everything of our lives. He's asking us to believe. Because once we believe, our lives then can be shaped in accordance to Him. You know, He's not asking, hey, you two blind guys. When was the last time you went to church? Do you guys go to church? He didn't ask him, Hey, do you guys have a membership in church? He didn't ask him, Hey, when was the last time you prayed? He asked him, Do you believe that I can do this for you? Do you believe that I can make a difference in your life? There's a story about a prison in São José dos Campos in Brazil. This prison was, uh, was one of the worst prisons in the nation and the government decided to do something different. They got a couple of Christian um, uh, wardens and said, okay, we want to turn this prison to you. We're going to make a test. You say that Christianity is the greatest um, reflection of, God, of who God is and we want you to try this. You too, you're going to take the prison and we're going to see if there is a difference. Well, they start doing the entire prison and all the establishment under the principles of Christianity. They start praying. They had a chapel, like you do have a chapel. But they started having times of prayer, times of fasting, times of, of caring for each other, and so forth. 
Chuck Colson, the president of uh, prison ministries, went to Brazil and heard about this prison and he wanted to go and visit the prison. To his surprise, he got to the front gate and the guy with the keys was an inmate, a murderer. And he opened the doors and then closed it and said, well, welcome. You sure you want to come and visit the prison? He goes, yes. Do you work here? No, I'm an inmate. You have the keys? Yeah. Why don't you just leave? He said, because I have been entrusted with the keys. And I'm accountable to my other inmates and to all of those that surround me. And he went through the prison and he was amazed. He asked, what is the, what is the rate of return to crime? Because in Brazil, it's 74% of, of inmates that go to prison, do, uh, you know, uh, do a criminal act after prison. This said 4%, but we're working on that. We want it to be 0% of the inmates that go through this prison to be able to go out and not do any more crime. Most of them become pastors. They said, I can't believe this. And then finally, as they were talking, he said, what about you know, when someone does really wrong? Well, then we have solitary. So I want to see that. So he went through the prison, and they unlocked his door and opened his door. The room was empty. And inside of the room there was a statue of a cross. And Jesus hangs on a cross. And he said, oh, that's an odd statue to be in solitary confinement. They said, yeah, he is doing time for all of us. And that's why they were able to do this. Because even though they felt that they were in prison, even though they had committed a crime, they saw restitution of their life because of what God has done and what because Jesus has done. So when he's asking us for us to believe, we have to believe that Jesus is doing time for us. Because our sin has nailed him to the cross. Our sin was accountable, but he took our sin and took it to the cross in our stead. So when we look into believing, it's not just believing because, well, we were taught, but believing because God has done something for us. Then they responded, do you believe? And what they say is astonishing. Oh, yes, Lord, or yes. They didn't give excuses. They didn't say, yes, I, I believe because of this. All they said is, yes, I believe. They probably tried everything. They probably tried, tried doing, you know, the spit on the, on the mud because they heard Jesus did it. They probably tried everything and couldn't find an answer. And now when Jesus asked them, do you believe? They said, yes. We believe. How often do we say, yes, we believe? Because if we say, yes, I believe, our life has to reflect it. Because if you say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and I'm a new person, then your life reflects it. But if you don't know what you believe, if you don't know what you stand for, then, you, you know, if you don't stand for anything, you fall for anything. You fall for everything. So when we look into how these two men said yes, it's because they believed with everything in their heart. And we'll see because... 
their faith was the one that healed them. It wasn't Jesus that healed them. It was their faith. It's their faith in Jesus. Their faith that God could, do, could make a difference in their life. So they go before him and Jesus touches their eyes and they can see. How often are we Christians or proclaiming to be Christians not living in accordance to Christianity? There's a story about a, a Sunday school teacher and he's very full of himself and he was a deacon and, and he was a, a, you know, a well-respected man and he was teaching the adults in his school class and he said, you know, when we look into people and, and, and we look into Christianity and so forth, you know, what do people mean when they ask me, so, you are a Christian? What do, what, what do people say uh, when they say that I am a Christian? What does that mean? There was some silence and someone answered. Oh, it means that they don't know you. Many times we just have to live our lives as we don't have to say the words. You know, I like, I like when we are able to live a life in accordance to God in such a way that it becomes attractive. When was the last time you saw someone in passion? Someone on fire for God? Can you remember the last time you saw someone that was just in love with God and just so passionate about God that you said, I want that. But then the first, the first cold wind, the first trial, the first situation, we start making us think, man, this is harder than I thought. Passion requires exercise. And I have to exercise this passion for God. But when we respond, yes, I believe, they were saying, I'm willing to anything to be with you. And they were not talking just about seeing. And when we're not talking just about the miracle of being blind and seeing, but the miracles that we have today, the miracles that we, we are going into a direction and God heals us from that. We're going into a situation and God removes us from that situation. Whatever it is that we ask, we have to believe. Why would we ask anything from God if we knew He wasn't going to come and give us? If I know you don't have a million dollars, why in the world would I ask for a million dollars, ask you to lend me a million dollars? Because you don't have it. So the faith I would ask you would be very little. Now if I saw a multimillionaire and I said, I really need a million dollars, will I ask as if, now you're not going to give me anyway, or should I say, I would do anything to make you feel that I'm worthy of those million dollars. So that's just an example. Whatever we ask, we have to ask in faith. And faith is what healed these guys. It wasn't Jesus. It wasn't the mud. It wasn't the touch. It was faith. And Jesus is the one that says that according to your faith, it will be done to you. Now, yeah, I will. I believe. I do. To the utmost of my life. And so often we find ourselves wanting to do something because we believe. But then, when things get tough, it just when it changes. So what do you believe? And then finally, Jesus tells him, see that no one knows about this. Don't tell anyone that I've done this. And they couldn't help it, and they just ran and told everyone. Why? It's too good to say. And honestly, you see this Two guys been blind all their lives and now they're seeing. 
What is the first question you're going to ask? Uh, did you lie all this time? Mm-mm. How did it happen? Mm-mm. I can't say it. They couldn't help it. Come on. I can't. I, I was asked not to. Okay. Jesus. I, 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 I knew he was coming. I went to him and I was like, Dude, can you have mercy on me? Can you make me see again? And all he asked me is like, Do you believe? I was like, Yeah, I believe. And now I can see. He made a miracle. He is truly the Son of God. He is God. He is the real thing. And yet, they went and shared everyone. Don't you love it when someone tells you a message, tells you something that is just true? There's a story about a, a store that had a big sign that says, Beware of dog. And the guy goes in and all it is is a little pooch sitting on the side sleeping. And he goes, um, it says the sign, danger, beware of dog, and all I see is that pooch. Is that, is that the dog? Oh yeah, that's the dog we're talking about. He goes, why do you have the sign? And they say, well, before the sign, everyone stepped on a dog. So now that there's a sign, people look for the dog. You know, we just have to take a message. And regardless of how we say it, if we say it with passion, if we say it with heart, and we say, God has done this in my life, I believe it with every single core of my being, every single cell in my body, that I am saved. God has done an awesome thing in my life. Then people are going to say, I won't want you, God. And then you can say, like they said in West Virginia, I then got Jesus. <laughs> and that's all it takes, is believing that Jesus is in your life. So how can we have this process of belief? Number one, we need to know in what we believe, and why we believe it. Svetlana Stalin, the daughter of Joseph Stalin, wrote about her dad. Her dad was a devout Christian. He was one of, the most, uh, one of the most passionate people about God. And then he went to seminary. And while he was in seminary, some questions came around and he started doubting about who God was, and what he'd done, and what was about God. And he started having doubts. And those doubts became anger. And the more he doubted, the more angry he got at God for not having answers. And the more, and the more angry he got the more he started fighting Christianity so much. And he was fighting so hard that Lenin took notice and took him in. And eventually, he led the country into a godless society. Why? Because he did not know what, beli- what he believed. All he knew was what he learned, but never was in his heart. Is what you believe sunk in yet? Have you gotten it? Do you understand why you believe? If someone were to ask you, what do you believe? What would you say? I believe in freedom and the, uh, the great American spirit. Okay, Roger Ramjet. Good job. What would you say? I believe that I was a sinner that I was a man 
or a woman in, in the female case. I believe I was a man that has sinned. I have done wrong. I have hurt people. And then one day, God has taken away my sin. I'm a new creature. And there's nothing else in the world I'd rather be but His Son. And do everything I can for His will. What do you believe? For whatever you believe, you have to be able to say it in 30 words or less. Why? Why is that so important? Because it creates the statement that you know what you believe. Nothing is worse than having someone that don't know what they believe. And that's my challenge for you today. Know what you believe. If you believe in God, then you say it. You live it. You become like someone who believes in God. Someone who has faith when the trials come. Someone who can stand through the storms. Someone who can say, you know what? I know I will be fine regardless of what happened. You know, I like that statement that says, do not ask, uh, do not tell God how big the mountain is, tell the mountain how big God is. And every time something comes in, he said, I am standing my ground. I know what I believe. But if you don't believe in God, and you, if you have doubts about the Bible, if you have doubts about Jesus, about all these stories, you know, I'm going to a Christian college, and I hear all these stories, and you know, every week there's someone that comes and preaches at us, but the truth is, if you don't believe it, why don't you believe it? Was it because you read all the books against it? Because you googled God and you haven't been able to go through the 300,000 pages? What is it? Why do you don't believe? Because if you don't believe it, at least know that you don't and why you don't. Because I'm going to tell you something. You are accountable for your life. You are accountable to live your life the way you are created, the way you are, be, the, the way your personality is. So regardless of what you believe, you have to know why you believe it. And the biggest problem with Christians, the biggest problem with people that go to church, is that they go to church because it's the greatest place to go on Sunday mornings. And there's parking, or there's this, or there's that. No why. This is so important. Because the more you know, the more it sinks into your heart. The more it sinks into your heart, the more passionate you are about it. The more thrilled you are about it, the more in love you are with God. When you believe in God. But if you believe in nothing, the more in love you are with nothing. And that's sad. Pitiful. Come on. So, challenge to believe. And today, my challenge is this. If you're going through doubts, start with this. Start with the book of John. Easy reading. And you can just take some time knowing why. But if you don't know why or what you believe, my challenge for you today, try to write it down. Find out what do you believe. Because... That's who you are. And God can be a part of your life in such a way that it makes sense. I promise you. I guarantee that. And when God is in it, it's in your life, it just makes sense. It was awesome speaking to you. Thank you for this opportunity.
And it's awesome to know that you guys are going to a great college and God bless you. Go in faith and believe. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful day. Well, thank you.